it's tons of fun to be here. We, me and Taylor love being here. We got to be a part of uh, this family maybe about a year ago when Taylor was leading here regularly. And so we've missed you, but we love to be, uh, love to be here this morning. It's, it's going to be tons of fun. So uh, we are talking, we're ending this uh, conversation about 24-7, how does the gospel kind of intersect our real life? Um, we're kind of using this word maybe gospel fluency. Are we becoming fluent with the gospel uh, and it's not that it's uh, separate from our real life, but it's actually a part of our real life. And so it's, this conversation is going to be really practical, and, and that really fits into kind of my personality. I really like practicalities. Uh, whenever I'm hanging out with people, I usually get there quickly. Uh, let's get to the practical, or it's just not really worth talking about. Um, that's what Taylor says, at least. Um, so <clears throat> let, uh, let me just start my timer here so I don't keep on going forever. Um, so, so the big idea for this, uh, for this morning is, uh, so often, and, and I'm, I'm a part of this, is that we believe that um, the gospel is just an additional thing to our life, uh, that Jesus is just a next thing that we have to kind of check off on our life. Um, but what I really want us to move from is this kind of additional mindset of the gospel to any, an intentional mindset of the gospel. Can we move from gospel just being additional to a place where it can be intentional in our life. Do you kind of see those two different things there? And what we're gonna to have to do is we're just gonna to have to kind of take stock of our life this morning. And so we're gonna look at six different rhythms that are kind of invitations to the Lord, uh, from the Lord, just to kind of be aware of what he's doing in our life, taking a kind of diagnostic test and say, Lord, which ones of these am I already doing great? Like, which ones can I say, yeah, like, I'm actually naturally kind of inclined towards these things, but maybe there's a couple that you're just a little fearful of, uh, maybe because you don't have experience of them, or maybe you just don't think you're good at them, uh, and that's okay. Uh, we're going to try and stretch ourselves um, and, and kind of begin to just examine our lives a, a little better. Socrates has this quote that says, the unexamined life is not worth living, uh, and um, I actually really believe in that. I, 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 true, I do believe that, that if we're not examining our life, life just happens to us. How, how regularly do you just feel like you just, like your calendar is just happening to you, like the relationships that you're doing is just happening to you? And what we would love to do is just take a little bit of an intention, uh, create a little bit of intentionality, and just begin to say, no, my life is my life. I get to choose the things that I do. I get to choose the things that I participate in. I get to choose the things that I'm that I love and I'm important, that I, that I think is important and value, and just begin to uh, model my life around Jesus' life. Make sense? Sweet. So um, the, the big verse, um, and you can kind of write this, if you're taking notes, you can write this at the top of, the, um, uh, of your note sheet, is uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, and where, where Paul says, be very careful then how you live. Listen to that. How you live is important. Not as unwise, but as wise. What does wisdom look like? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't we feel like that? Every day is just evil because it's just like grabbing hold of us. But really, are we taking opportunity every day to live wise? What does it look like to be wise in your, in your life today? It probably looks like just being a little more intentional uh, and just beginning to get a hold of what the Lord is already doing in your life. Um, we, um, you've kind of been going for about seven weeks about this kind of gospel idea, how does it fit into your life, and maybe you're thinking, 
like you're already overwhelmed. Like maybe you're like, Ben, like give me a break. No more. I can't do it. I don't feel like I have enough in my life. I, it hasn't become habitual in my life. Um, and what I just offer you, I was, um, when I was just prepping, I was thinking about this sermon that I did at Midtown um, maybe six months ago, nine months ago, I don't know, um, around disciplines and habits. And um, how, how, just literally say this out, like how long does it take to form a habit? What's the classic number that everyone? 28 days, 30 days. Does that, is that normal that people have kind of heard that number? That it's kind of like a business tri- like principle, 28 days? It's completely false. Uh, so that, that principle is actually found uh, from like a 1960s research project on amputees and how long it takes for them to not feel like they have a phantom arm. Um, that doesn't actually really resonate with my like, uh, like gym regime. You know, it doesn't really match like I a loss of arm to, I need to drink less coffee and more water. And so there's, so there's another research, when I was doing this research for that, for that other message, um, there's a completely much more helpful um, research that went around 1990, uh, where they took hundreds of people and they said, pick one thing that you want to become more automatic in your life. More automatic in your life. And don't we want that for the gospel, that it becomes automatic in our life, that sharing the gospel, becoming like the gospel, just becomes more automatic in our life. And this is the big thing that I found from that project, was on average, it takes 60 days for a habit to set in. So that's double what the average is, but really, they said that it ranges from like 40 days all the way to 120 days, depending on what it looks like. Depending on how difficult the actual habit is, it depends on how long it's going to take to become automatic in your life, that you don't have to think about doing that thing, it just begins to flow out of you. And the reality is, is that the gospel is difficult. It's simple, but it is hard, so it's probably going to take more than 28 days for you to begin to grasp the idea of what it looks like in your life. And so that's just a freedom to kind of say, like, yeah, we're, we're like on the eight weeks, we're closing this talk, we're closing this series, but don't feel like you have to already have be there. Don't feel like you already have to understand everything that we, we've been talking about, what this really means about 24-7 being a part of this Jesus, kingdom of God kind of thing. The other thing from that um, research is that what they said was it didn't matter if people missed a day. It just mattered if they were directed on the long journey towards the same habit. So often when we think about habits, it's like if we miss a day, the timer sets, resets, I'm, I'm like, I ate sugar today, now I've got to think like another 28 days to go. It's just not true. What's, what's more, what's more um, helpful and more significant for the success of a, a habit is that we have consistency on the long haul. And that's why I pray for you guys, is that you would have consistency towards Jesus and towards gospel fluency for the long haul. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray for us and we'll have to get into the real stuff. Cool. So Jesus, um, I just pray for this community. I pray for this community to not feel overwhelmed uh, by your gospel, but inspired by your gospel. Um, Lord, that your gospel would begin to be the fuel for their life, not just the addition that they feel like they have to do. Bless us, Lord. Uh, Let my words be of you. In your name we pray, amen. So 
Caesar Kalinowski, I'm sure you've heard his name. He was here two weeks ago, I believe. Um, he, he's got a lot of these um, note sheets, so I, I pretty much am just stealing all of his information. Um, so that's really helpful. When you have to do a talk, it's like, great, I'll just do this one. Um, so, but what, what he said is that, is I think is really significant, is that you only have one life. You only have one life, and if you think that you can do your American dream life and your Jesus life at the same time, it's just not gonna work. It's just not gonna work for you to believe that you can actually live in two different worlds, living on two different train tracks, doing two different things, and actually believe that you'll have a successful life. If you wanna do the American dream, that's great. Just don't do the Jesus thing as well. Um, if you wanna do the Jesus thing, know that you're gonna have to get rid of the American dream thing. That's a challenging word, I'm sorry, but it's true. There's parts of the American dream about freedom, about um, believing in, in yourself that's really important, but that's the part of the gospel, not a part of the American dream. Know where that came from. Know where the original gospel is there. And so I, I, was, um, I was actually in the FCA Clemson two, weekends ago, uh, two weeks ago with Matt Reynolds. He was preaching up there. He's an alumni. And um, I was just in worship, and I, I just got this, like, really significant download um, that the Lord just kind of, like, gave me this picture, made me have some understanding. And so I just want to read that to you, and I think it would be, uh, be also helpful as we're thinking about these two different ways uh, of living our lives. Um, let me just read from Matthew 9, 17. You don't have to turn there. It's just one verse. Um, so this is what Jesus is saying. He says, neither do the people pour out new wine into old wine skins. Neither do people pour out new wine into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst and wine will run out and the wine skin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins and both are preserved. Let me just take a sip of water while we're talking about wine. Gotta stay hydrated. It's one of my habits. It's not. Um, but um, I don't really know what that means. I, I, for so long, I didn't know what that means. I was like, that's really great. I think it's a nice analogy. I think it has something to do with like the new way of Jesus. But, oh, sorry. Um, but I really don't understand what he's talking about. Like, I really am kind of confused. I'm not in like a vineyard culture. I'm not getting like new wine and then have to like contain it in my old wineskins and then be sad that now my wineskins are broken. I, I don't live like that. I have bottles of wine, um, and that's okay. Um, so, and I just send them to the recycling, and I get new ones uh, from Target. Um, so, um, so, but what, what are we talking about when Jesus, or what's Jesus talking about? He's saying that it, there's a new way. Just before that, the religious leaders are challenging him and say, you disciple your disciples differently than we do. Why is that? And what Jesus is saying is that the way that I live can't fit into the way that you view the kingdom of God. The way that I live, the way of Jesus, the way of me doesn't fit into the old way. It doesn't fit into the old way. What you're gonna have to do is get a new way to get the new me. You, when, with the spirit, I'm the, I'm the sign of the new covenant. I'm the, the spirit is within me and that is the sign of the new covenant. You're gonna have to get a new way. 
But even still, that, like, I was like, Lord, I, I, I think I get it, but what does it actually mean? And he was so gracious to give me a, 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 an analogy that like, made sense to me. So who has, a, who has a smartphone in here? Just put up your hand. Literally everyone, probably. If you don't have one, you probably want one, I like you, because you're below 12. Um, uh, and so I have one. I love it. It makes my life more efficient. I think that's great. Um, the, but if you have an iPhone, I don't know if you're a Samsung, because I, I don't know Samsung. Whole different universe. But if I have an iPhone, Apple product, and you get these little messages that say, uh, would you like an, like an update? Have you ever got these messages? It just pops up and it's like, hey, do you want to update? My mom has like severe anxiety about these updates because she says everything's going to be lost. All my contacts, she's like, every time, every time I update it, I lose everything. <laughs> I lose everything. And, and so she just never does it. Taylor doesn't do it because it feels like she doesn't understand it fully. She's like, what are they doing? <laughs> doesn't trust them. Uh, but really, so what they're doing is they're upgrading your software. And uh, they're upgrading the software, which is just the way that your phone works. It's the way that the kind of like all the components and that you get to be able to have like what's known as an operating system. But what happens is if you um, upgrade those, if you upgrade your software, but you never upgrade your hardware, which is your actual phone, this is, this is like the like hardware is like the literal components the screen, the like modem, the, all of the like battery, all of that stuff. If you only upgrade your software and never your hardware, both are useless. Who's experienced this? When you've had like, for, before I got this awesome iPhone 8, I had like a really terrible like iPhone 5S? I don't know. It was like, I was trying to run like the, the like all the new stuff and it wasn't working. Shane over here, which is one of my apprentices, he wakes up and because he has like a really old iPhone but a really new operating system, he has 5% within the first hour of his day. <laughs> that is actually like the truth. Um, and so both of them are ruined. Operating system and the, the software and the hardware. And you can kind of hear the analogy here. So what Jesus is saying, what he would say to us is, hey, I'm offering a new software for your life I'm offering a new software, a new way, but you're gonna have to upgrade your hardware. But here's the thing, software is always free, hardware always costs something. Always costs something. Software is always free, it's always a free update for everybody to receive. But there actually is a, there's a cost to be able to use that, that software. Is this making sense that we, we're receiving Jesus there's a new way. And if we think that Jesus is going to fit into our old way, it won't work. Our lives aren't, our old way of life isn't compatible with the new life of Jesus. We're actually going to have to upgrade our life to match what Jesus wants for our life. Does this make sense? Good. So, that, so there are these six different rhythms that I think are a, an opportunity to what we could call quote unquote upgrade our life, if we're using that analogy. That if we just begin to kind of take stock of them, begin to view them in a different way, uh, we'll be able to say, you know, maybe some of these are ones I'm already good at, like I said, but maybe there's some that I need to kind of really begin to challenge myself in, and I, I'm just being honest, it's actually gonna cost you something 
to begin to change your life towards to fit into the way of Jesus will cost you something. I'm just being honest. But what I can tell you is that it's so much better. It's so much better to then to feel that you're living a dualistic life. It's so much better to feel like actually Jesus is the foundation of my life, not just an addition towards my life. It's so much better this way, but it will cost you something. Cool. So, six rhythms, six, six gospel rhythms of our life. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you um, each one, uh, and then I'll give you like a Bible verse. And so if you're taking notes, you can write the, the name of the rhythm and then maybe the Bible verse. And why I wanna give you a Bible verse for each one is so that if you're like thinking like, what, what do I do to start this habit? I'm gonna give you some practicals, but maybe you just read this verse like every day. Uh, maybe just remind yourself towards that of the, the, the spirit of the Lord and the word of God is goodness towards us. So when we feel like it's not good, this new rhythm, we can actually see that the Lord says, yes, it is good. Make sense? Cool. So rhythm number one, know the story. And what we're talking about this is that do we know the story, like the big story of the gospel, like the big story of, of God's like redemption of the world, but really do we know how that has impacted our life? Do you know your story? Do you know your significance of how the Lord has changed what he's done in your life? Everybody has a story. We're like story formed people now, like a ton of like marketers know this, that Actually, the best way to sell something is to tell a story and believe that the thing that they're gonna sell you is the way to promote and benefit and further your story. This has always been the truth. But everybody has a story and they're, they're waiting to tell that story. So there's two different things that we need to interact with here. Is one, we need to understand our story. For so long, I didn't feel like I had a story. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up kind of like a, like a normal life, and I didn't really have a rebellious streak. And I always I, I like, saw these like, amazing testimonies of like, leaving the faith and then coming back, and I was like, Lord, like, what's my testimony? I feel like I don't have this like, crazy, radical like, moment. And what, like, over the course of the years, I just realized that my story is way, way more reflective of the older brother in the prodigal son. The, the son who was always, always close but realized that it's not by his own power that he received the inheritance of God, that that's my story, that I have to realize that I'm, yeah, I, I, I do have some talents, I do have some opportunities, but none of that is because of my own gifting, that it's all because of the grace of the Lord. That's the story for me. What's your story? Everybody that we interact with, so that's one thing, we need to learn our story. The second thing is we need to learn other people's stories and, and just create intention behind actually making space to hear other people's story. Everybody has a story that they want to tell. Uh, I was at um, Dancing Goats uh, coffee shop in, in Decatur um, maybe a year and a half ago, and me and Taylor were just working there. I think we had a couple of meetings, um, and so we were just kind of spending the day working there. And um, I was working, and I kind of got this like, I get this kind of like spiritual itch sometimes that like I feel like the Lord's prompting me to do something just to be aware of what's happening in the moment. And so I was like, all right, Lord, like what's happening? And I just put my stuff down and I start walking around Decatur. 
started walking around Decatur. Um, I like walked up and down the high street. I was just praying, just asking the Lord, hey, are you going to highlight anybody to me? Is there anybody that you want me to have a conversation with? Is there anything that, I want, that you want me to kind of engage with? And I was just being present, uh, kind of just asking the Lord what he wanted to do. Wandered around, probably took, I don't know, 30 minutes. Um, came back to the coffee shop, kind of a di- little disheartened, kind of like, I, I really felt like, I felt like the you know, that itch that I, I feel like the Lord wanted to, like, do something. And I walked in, and it was really annoying because Taylor was just talking to the person next to us. Um, and what happened was, was that I walked in, and there was this, um, I think he must have been about 70 years old, and he was telling Taylor the story that he had just come back from Machu Picchu, that he had done this incredible hike that he had always wanted to do in his life. And he, was, and he got into his family kind of dynamics. He was telling about like how amazing this thing was. And he was just so excited to tell the story of this incredible accomplishment that he had done in his life. Taylor began to kind of share a little bit about our lives and what we were doing and what we, like, why we came to Atlanta. And I was so annoyed that she had just turned to the person next to her. And, af- and after he had said, like, maybe smiled at her, she probably said, like, hey, how are you doing today? And he probably said, like, hey, how are you doing today? And she probably said, know, what's going on with you? And then she just began to be like, hear his story. And I felt like I had to like go out and be like, Jesus crusading, like, you, the Lord has highlighted you. Let me go and claim kingdom in your life. And like, what, what's actually probably more beneficial and what's probably more accessible and probably more Jesus-wise is just to turn to the people right of left of you and just creating a habit of that and saying, hey, what's, what's happening in your life today? Do you have a story to tell? Do you have any stories? Oh, wow, that's so amazing. Can I tell you my story? One thing I want to make sure that you hear is be first to listen to other people's stories. And then if they invite you to tell your story, do that. If they don't, don't push it on them. Ask them again what their story is until they offer an opportunity to tell them, to, for you to tell them your story. Make sense? Cool. That's number one. Know the story. Number two, listen. This one's really, really, um, has impacted my life recently over the last few years. It's one that I've kind of grown in and have come to love uh, even more. And, um, oh, I didn't give you the, hold on. I didn't do what I told you I wanted to do. We're going to go back and I'm going to give you a Bible verse. So Romans 6, 16, um, 25 through 27 is for know the story. And this is what it says there. Paul's talking. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you accordance with my gospel, we're going to come back to that, my gospel, uh, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for ages past ago, but now is revealed and been made known through the prophetic, through the prophetic writings and by the command of the eternal God, so that the Gentiles may come to the obedience and come through faith to the only wise God for glory forever through Jesus Christ, amen. And why that's important for us to know about our story is that whole word of my gospel. A few different times Paul talks about this. He says, my gospel. And what he's saying, he's not saying that he has a different gospel He's saying that his lens of the gospel is really important in the wider picture of the the holistic gospel. And what I want to say to you is that your experience 
of God, your view of God is significant and important, and that you actually have a gospel. It's not different from the gospel of Jesus, but it is within the gospel of Jesus, and it's really important because the Lord has uniquely positioned you through experiences, through personality, to be able to share that particular kind of maybe window into the gospel of Jesus. Does that make sense? Cool. Number two, listen. I'll give you the Bible verse here. Listen, 1 Samuel 3.10, one of my favorite verses, it's, it's one of my life verses, where, where Samuel's woken up by the Lord and he finally says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Do we have a rhythm and a habit of, of asking the Lord to speak to us instead of us speaking to the Lord? So regularly, we just give the Lord our grocery list for our day. Lord, this is what I need, this is what I need to do, like, this is, this is what I'm anxious about, all these kinds of things. And that's really important. I don't, think, I don't think we need to devalue that piece, but I think we need to elevate the value of just sitting and listening to the Lord. I don't think you need to do that any less, I just think you need to do listening more. And so what we need to do is just, do we have rhythms and habits to just to be quiet with the Lord and just to ask him, Lord, what are you doing today? Is there anything that you want me to be about today? Do you have rhythms and habits of going away and just being with the Lord for silence for no agenda? That's the discipline of solitude. I've recently kind of adopted that in my life, and I, I was really, really kind of worried about it because I'm a raging extrovert, and I, like, I don't want to be away from people, and that feels scary to be alone somewhere, anywhere, all the time. I don't know how to do that. So, but the Lord really invited me into that, and I found such fruit by just spending extended periods of the Lord just saying, Lord, I'm here, speak. I'm listening, Lord. Do you have anything to say? Do you have anything to say for my life? One of my, um, one of my friends, he's actually on my staff, um, Ryan Christopher, he, just, he did this devotional once, and this just kept on sticking with me. He just said that I, he's created a habit of waking up and saying, Lord, show me with what you're doing today. Lord, show me what you're doing today. What a simple practice of just having our eyes aware and our ears tuned into the kingdom of God each morning. Do we have a practice of that? And what that'll do is it'll allow us to begin to be aware of what the Lord is doing, and maybe he'll, he'll ask you to change, change your plan for the day. Maybe he'll ask you to, to call somebody or text somebody or invite somebody to a lunch or, or just begin to be aware of a particular situation that's going to happen. Know that it's really significant if the Lord is speaking that we should be listening. Amen? Cool. Number three. This one's really fun. Celebrate. Celebrate. So the Bible verse for this one is Philippians 4.4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. The message maybe says it a little better and a little more um, connected to our real life. Um, where it says, Philippians 4.4, celebrate God all day, every day, I mean revel in him. Do we have a habit of that? Do we have a habit of just celebrating with the Lord and with the people around us? This is what I love about house church. 
House Church is just the model that um, Grace Family of Churches really believes in, that we should do stuff in our real life, not on a Sunday, that allows us to be around other people. And what the best thing that a house church can do is to celebrate with each other. And really what we're saying is like, this is what the Lord has done and the Lord is amazing. How awesome is that? Like how incredible is the Lord that he has blessed me and significantly changed my life? We, we already have rhythms of this, but are we, are we taking advantage of the rhythms? Are we taking advantage of birthdays? Are we just like, like celebrating to the people where they're like, no, 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 I don't, you can't celebrate me anymore. Like that's the point, that's what I, that's what I want for communities, where people are like, it's, it feels embarrassing how much you're celebrating us. Like that's, that's like the goodness of the Lord, it's embarrassingly good. We've got anniversaries, we've got graduations, we've got just because of celebrations. Are, are, we, are we just taking advantage of these moments to say, can we celebrate with each other? Know that the Lord has done incredible good things. And the, inc- the, the amazing thing is, is that will probably be the best gospel to anybody who sees it. There is an underlying lie that Christians are boring. I'm not boring. I, why would I be boring? Jesus has changed my life, and I like get to live an amazing life for a purpose, and like the Lord has done something to me. Why would I be boring? That sounds a terrible idea. Let's like celebrate. Let's like have fun. Let's like be the most fun people in the room because Jesus has changed our lives. Does that make sense? And so this one's this one's really um, really important. It's it's so close to my heart because of House Church. House Church was a is something that I've kind of grew up in. Um, and one thing that's it's kind of fun is when you invite other people into your celebrations. But what's really, really fun is when they invite you into their, their celebrations. So when we lived in uh, Polly's Island, um, uh, Ben alluded to it, um, we all lived there, and my family had been living there for about eight years. And uh, we just had this rhythm of showing up at the same Starbucks. It just happened to be the only Starbucks in town, so we kind of had to. Um, and so we showed up, but we just began to be friends with the people that were around us each day. And some of those people were the people who served us coffee. Uh, and so Brandy was the manager, and uh, she had been there for a long time, and she just became a friend of our families. Uh, she um, supported me. She actually gave me a job in, in throughout college uh, over the summers. She gave my brother-in-law a job at different times. And there was just this kind of familial nature of Brandy and all the other people that were in the, uh, in, in the Starbucks. Sheila, Taisha, there was a bunch of these people that were just a part of our kind of extended family. And we, we would often, whenever we were doing barbecues, we would just send out the invitation and they would come and be a part of our celebrations. Like, I know it sounds weird that your barista would come to your barbecue, but it's okay. Um, you can kind of separate, you can kind of merge some lives. It's going to be okay. Um, but what was really, really amazing was twice it happened was Brandy, she, she was a, an amazing woman. She's kind of funny, though. She played roller derby. I don't know if you know what this is. It kind of scares me. Uh, but, you know, it's roller. There. It's like very aggressive. Uh, in an ice rink, but she did this thing in Myrtle Beach, and one time she said that, you know what, guys, I would actually love for you to come cheer me on at our roller derby, and we were like, yes, (laughs) partly because I've never seen that, it feels like a really awesome thing to do, Uh, but 
what we did was we took advantage of Brandy saying, will you celebrate me? Will you celebrate me? I feel like we celebrate so well, and this is just another way that I'm going to ask for, it's almost like an intimate thing, like, will you celebrate me? And uh, that was an amazing experience. She actually left uh, Myrtle Beach, and she said that you guys are actually closer than my real family. That she just had a, had a past terrible history of what a family looks like. That she actually considers my dad a father finger in her life, and it came from just showing up and then celebrating each other. I honestly cannot tell you how amazingly good being around people who are joy-filled it is for people who are lost and lonely and sad and anxious all the time. It's so good. This is what the gospel does to people. You just can't help it. Cool. Number four, steaming along. Number four, bless. So the Bible verse for this one, bless, is out of Genesis 12, 2, uh, which is the Abrahamic call where, Jesus, uh, where Yahweh says to Abraham, I will bless you so that you can bless the world. And isn't that true? That's what the gospel is. The gospel is that I've blessed you now you get to be a part of the blessing process to bless other people. So, so many of the people that we interact with have never been blessed. They're just striving all the time. They just think that everything they do is by their own means. And that's what a blessing is. It's just like, hey, this is a free gift. Just, you don't have to work for this one. You don't have to. Most of the people that you interact with feel like they have to work, sweat, bleed for everything that they get. But the gospel says something different. It says you can get a free gift. I got it, you can get it too. Sometimes it looks real practical. Sometimes it's just like actually praying a blessing over us, uh, over people. Um, actually, Ryan's mom, the guy I was just saying, um, who did the whole like wake up and just ask the Lord, what, is, what are you doing? His Mother, she, she runs Mums at Midtown, which is our kind of like uh, young mums kind of thing. And what she said was, when new mums come in, she makes an intention to bless people. Because what she said was that most people live their life having never been blessed. That their marriage has never been blessed, that their kids have never been blessed, that their profession has never been blessed. That is actually something significant to get a group of people that even if they don't know you, just to say, hey, I bless you. I bless the, what the Lord is doing in your life and I think it's really significant and I think you're really worthy of love and of life. And that's amazing. But maybe it looks a little more practical that can you start viewing your possessions a little differently? How many of us have so many things in our garages that we could actually bless people with? You know, how many things that are just stay, stay in our attics that actually could be a blessing to other people? I love it when somebody asks me for something that I have that I'm like, yes, hold on one second, let me go get it. I, it's like my favorite thing because most of the things that I've been given, I've actually, that I can give, have been gift to me. Like, take our house for example. Um, Jody Hoffman lets us live in the house that she first got with Buddy down by State Street. Uh, she lets us live there for super cheap, and it's an amazing opportunity. 
But I, I see that as a blessing in my life. And so it feels selfish for me to say, this is mine. Nobody gets to go in the house. Like nobody, it is so fun for me when we have leaders meetings there, when people come and stay, when for like there's opportunities to have like meals there, that this house is like designed to bless people. If you know Jody Hoffman, she designed it to do that. And so it feels silly to not bless people with the blessing that I've already received. So maybe the question for you is, Lord, what have I received that I just need to have a different eyes for? What are, what are some of the things that I actually own that I could just hold a little loosely? Yeah, if you let people um, use your car, they're probably gonna dent your car, but it'll be okay. Like, it'll be okay. Like, you'll just have a dent in your car, but you'll still get where you're going. But will it be more significant that somebody's been blessed that didn't have a car could then finally get to work? Or maybe the person who was, their family was coming into town that they didn't know how they were, they were gonna like get around the town and you said, hey, I've got an extra car. Why don't you use it? It's gonna be a little more like work for me over this week, but you know, it'd be so much easier for you to use that. Are we holding our things lightly so that we can bless others and become like the gospel in people's lives? Cool? Number five. Eat, my favorite one. Yes, it is good, eating. Um, so this one, really practical, eat. Acts 2.46 uh, 2, says this. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Do you have a regular rhythm of opening up your table and eating with others? Or is it like, like, for so many families, mealtimes are just like an annoyance in the day? So many people, it's just like, hey, am I just gonna like get through, like, I gotta like eat while I work or eat while we watch TV or like, use eating to be a moment of slowing down. In our family, that was our rhythm that we always ate dinner together, no matter what, if you didn't call your mom, if I didn't call my mama that I wasn't coming home, I was gonna be in trouble if I wasn't gonna be there for dinner. Because it was just our, it was our pattern of life. That it was gonna be a moment that we checked in with each other, but this is what my mom always did. She always made extra food. And it wasn't because we were like gluttonous and we needed leftovers. We actually wanted the opportunity regularly for other people to be invited. My mom just like knew what her kids were about that said like too regularly we would call and be like, hey, can, can this person come over? And she'd be like, oh gosh, I don't have enough food. So she just started making enough food assuming that we were gonna invite people. So it never gave me like anxiety to invite people over to our house because I would just be like, hey mom, Josh is on his way with me. Is that cool today? Just making sure there's nothing like crazy going on, but we're we just having a normal meal today? Yeah, great. Coming up, we'll be, there, we'll be there in 15 minutes. Do we have a regular rhythm? And are we even making intention to make space for people to eat with us? At work, do you just eat at your desk or do you eat in the common spaces? Are you like eating around people? There's something that happens when you're eating, all the defenses have to go by. They just have to lay down and you just have to like interact with people as normal humans who have been having to live on food for the last billions of years. I mean, it's just like the way that we have to live. It's just the way that we have to live that 
are we just gonna engage on a human level? The amazing thing was um, in high school, there was this guy, uh, we lived in Phoenix, Arizona um, for high school. When we were our juniors, a guy called Josh came to town uh, and Josh had like a bit of a crazy past. He had lived in a couple different states and uh, me and Taylor were on the swim team. I was really on the swim team so I could be with Taylor. Uh, Taylor was good at swimming. I was just hanging around um, with Tan Taylor. Um, so that was good. I was 16, I mean, give me a break. Um, so Josh joined the swim team and uh, we just kind of hung out a lot and we would just kind of like hang out. I, I would invite him over to dinner just like regularly, you know, swim team would end. I'd be like, hey, what are you doing now? And he'd be like, oh, I don't really know. I don't really want to go home. But great. Come with me. Um, there'll be food at my house. Uh, so come hang out. And I, I didn't really understand the significance of that. I knew that he was a friend. I knew that he needed just a little bit of space out, outside of his home. But when I was 21, uh, I was in college in Oklahoma. Actually, I think it was maybe even more recently. Maybe it was in, I can't remember. But he, he sent me a Facebook message. And he said, I've just got to let you know that I've given my life to Jesus. And um, I'm actually like really pursuing what that looks like in my life. And what I have to let you know is that those days that you invited me into your home, that your family showed me hospitality, gave me food, loved me for where I was, that that is actually maybe the most impactful thing for me to be actually a part of the, the family of God now. Like, I was just, I was just, showing up because I knew my mom had extra food. Do we have rhythms and habits of offering the things that we have and eating with people to just share the blessings that we have? Can we eat together? It's amazing. Do it in house church. Regularly have rhythms of eating. Last one. Recreate. Recreate. Do we have rhythms that are recreating us? Matthew 11 says this, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and you will learn from me for I am gentle and humble. You will find rest for your souls, for your yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do we believe that about this gospel? That Jesus actually doesn't wanna ruin your life. That you don't, like, he doesn't wanna ruin your life so that you have a burnout, but he actually wants to give life to your life and actually ways to do that is just to slow down sometimes. You've been designed like really uniquely to love certain things, do those things. Like I love basketball, so I make it a rhythm and a habit to play basketball on Friday mornings at 7 a.m. It's really annoying on my, on my day off to wake up at like six o'clock to get to Mercer University to play basketball, but after I do it, I'm like, yes. For three hours, I'm out of my head. I don't have to think about the next thing that I'm doing. I'm just playing basketball, and I'm just like getting after it. I just love it. And so do we have rhythms of saying like, what do I love, and can I do them more? So many people are like, if you said like, what, should, what, what is the best thing that you love to do? Maybe they would say like kayaking, and you'd say like, when was the last time you did that? Years ago. That's not a good diagnostic. You're probably not doing the thing that the Lord has designed you to do. If you love painting and you haven't painted in a long time, go get some painting supplies. 
Like, just go do it. If you, if you love to play music and you haven't played music in a long time, make some space in your life and play some music. The Lord wants you to actually enjoy your life. He wants you to actually like sustain a long life with him. He doesn't want to burn out for you. Cool? All right. So we had know your story, listen, celebrate, bless, eat, recreate. Those things are really important because they're invitations to see that our life could actually be more intentional, not just additional with the gospel. And so the two things, just as I'm saying, just closing, I would say is consistency is really important. Just like I said in that habit stuff, consistency is really important. So just stay firm and be consistent. But the last thing that I would say is do it together. Do it together. Be vulnerable. Share with, what, share with others where you are, what you're trying to do, with what rhythms you're hoping to kind of engage with. This is what, it's, what um, Paul says in Galatians 6, 5 through, uh, Galatians 6, 2 through 5. This is what he says. He says, carry each other's burden. Carry each other's burden. What are the, what's the burden that you think that you actually have to carry alone that it was never meant for you? So regularly, I, I, I hear the lie that I'm meant to like save the world for Jesus. Like, I'm, I, I'm just being, like, I, I have the Superman syndrome. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I work too hard and I'm too individualistic. And I think that I don't need to invite others into because it would slow me down. It would make it more inconvenient for me. But what I know is that the burden for the world is not mine. I, and what at the end of Galatians 6, 5, it says, but carry your own load. So there's certain things that you have to do. Your life is your load. Can you carry your life and can you actually take responsibility of your life? But do it together. Carry each other's burdens. Work with one another. Share with one another, knowing that it's so much better to do it together than to do it alone. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. We want to look more like you. We don't want our life to just get, us by, get the best of us, but Lord, we want you to get the best of our life. So Jesus, make it true of us that we love your gospel enough to make some changes in our life. Make it really easy, Lord. Even when it costs something, make it Make us see the value of it. Make us see the, the worth of it because you're worthy of it all, Lord. We're thankful for the ways that you've changed us. Keep on doing it, Lord. We want to see other people changed into the likeness of you. The communion tables will be open. This will be a great way to interact at the front and the back. This is Jesus' life. That's the offering. Receive Jesus' life into your life, knowing that his life is important, that it can be the foundation of your life, not just an addition of your life.